Welcome to another figure week, park surface week, organic week. Hey everyone, my name is Ahmed Aldouri. I'm a concept artist and former instructor at Art Center College of Design, Brainstorm, CCS, CJMA, and various other places. And I would like to introduce to you this digital painting course that I've created. But before we get into anything, I just want to thank you for the support you've all given me this whole time. And with the support of so many of you, I've been able to put together everything I know about painting into this digital painting course. You want to become a pro, illustrator, concept artist, or even just a hobbyist, but you don't have a clear map to get there. And that's where I come in. I spent the last six months compiling everything I know from my 20 years of art practice, and I've turned it all into a map, starting with foundations such as rendering shapes, color theory, painting basic subjects, understanding brushwork, brush economy, all that fun stuff, deconstructing the skull, drawing it from every angle, all the way to master studies, stylized painting, and you'll find yourself at the end of the course doing a concept art project based on everything that we learn in the first 14 lessons. So how does it work? Well, you sign up, you watch the lectures, do the assignments, post them to the community page if you want, and treat it as a self-study, except for those of you who have signed up for the weekly meeting where I personally critique your work in a virtual classroom setting. I believe learning by repetition is super important. That's what I've sort of presented a lot in this course, and the assignments are tailored for that, as adapted from my time teaching at Art Center. And each of these lessons have step-by-step -step explanations in real time. If you've ever seen my videos, you know exactly how I teach. And this course is intended to be a substitute for a college level course, but you don't have to pay the four or $5,000 per class, racking up maybe 200K in debt. With my custom design course, you'd be paying a fraction of that. And of course, I also have payment plan options if you don't want to pay for the whole thing at once. Thank you for watching this and I'll see you soon. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Digital Artcast. Um, hoping you guys are all enjoying uh, lockdown conditions at the moment and keeping strong and confident with your projects that are keeping you sane. Um, I know that uh, the world is still a bit topsy-turvy, but I'm glad that you guys can come here and chill out with me and talk with some amazing people. Um, speaking of amazing people, we have another person on today who is amazing, someone who I've also wanted on for a while uh, that I met way, way back. 
uh, in, in an event and always uh, loved the enthusiasm and this the intelligence that she, she brought to her role. Um, so today we are joined by Marina Alexandria Bada. How are you doing? Hey Gordon, um, I'm doing great, thank you. <laughs> yeah, awesome, good, good. I was, I was, as long as it's nothing like I'm doing really shit or I've had a horrible day of it, yeah, if, no. you, if you're doing well, I'm glad. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, we met uh, way back, I think it was either um, Playgrounds or maybe IW, I'm trying to remember the first time we met, but it was a couple of years back, right? 2017, 2018, maybe something like that. Most likely. Yeah. I definitely know we met at industry workshops. 2018 yeah. a couple of events yeah on and off uh, for the last couple of years and 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 yeah like when i first met you you were i think just building towards um your first job i think you were still in your master's right were you still studying at the time or i actually never did a master's i just did my bachelor's um yeah still bachelor's. still impressive <laughs> <laughs> um uh, yeah took me five years but never mind um yeah no but i think i was still studying yeah probably. right yeah just and about then, like doing an internship or something maybe right yeah and just starting off but now uh for people who don't know what is your current title and where are you currently working so my current title is technical artist um i'm in a mid-level position so i started mm-hmm. off as a junior and i was promoted mm-hmm. to a mid-level mm-hmm. um and i currently work at splash damage in london yes splash damage well known of course for for the the I see the games that they've done, but the kind of collaborations they've had with different studios and doing extensions and multiplayers. And uh, I mean, I know that uh, Coalition is, is one of the big collabs that you've done the last couple of years working in Gears of War. Um, and of course, with your title, Technical Artist, that's something I think that um, is the reason, one of the reasons we had you on today as well, because it is, I wouldn't say a mystery because people probably do know the extensions of what a Technical Artist is, but then maybe not in depth uh, as you know what the job is because you're obviously working day to day in it um so maybe as a brief overview to begin with what is a technical artist so a technical artist is a person who facilitates art content um in a way that it goes into the engine it goes into the game in an optimized well organized useful manner and somebody who basically communic- is, is very good at communicating uh, with programmers, with artists, uh, basically with actually everyone, mm-hmm. um, is able to pull teams together and mm-hmm. is able to, for example, spot the need for custom tools for workflow improvements and actually um, act on these. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you would say that probably... The overview of what you've just said is that you really facilitate the pipeline and make sure that that whole transition runs smoothly between art and tech and all other parts of the departments within within Splash Damage. So how did you initially get into that field or the, the way of thinking that you were going to do that kind of job? Was it something early on that you were thinking about while you were studying? Um, actually, no, not at all. Um, I started out... Um... Actually, I did an apprenticeship first. I did a two-year school apprenticeship um, where I learned stuff like Photoshop and a little bit of 3ds Max. And it was, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it was very, very shallow and mm-hmm. definitely not something that would um, adequately prepare you for a job. Mm-hmm. So I decided, or I always knew I wanted to study anyway. Um, so I went for a course that's actually quite broad. So I studied mm-hmm. animation and game in mm-hmm. Darmstadt in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um and for me, 
it was a really good course because it uh, it started off very broad. Because again, I had no clue what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, basically from semester to semester, I kind of was like, hmm, maybe I want to be a modeler. All right, maybe I want to be a texture artist or like a material artist. Um, or maybe I want to be, yeah, a little bit more, like a little bit more technical. And mm-hmm. um, really over the time, I kind of started to build up more confidence because mm-hmm. I was very, very unconfident in my technical abilities um, Mm -hmm. basically most of my life and my math skills in my technical skills Mm -hmm. Um, and then actually towards the last semester um, I want to say the last two semesters I was like okay I think I think tools and especially procedural tools are really fun and it's very interesting and I can pair it with something that I love as well which is just environment art and uh, modeling Mm. texturing making materials which is my my personal um, just artistic uh, corner that I like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I combined it and that was where I found the most success and the most fun. So then when you talk about math especially and you talk about coding is that something that you were teaching yourself like in the beginning stages or was that something you went to school for initially or something you took an interest in early on in your education or is it just something you picked up as you were building the skill set? I must say I was always very interested in math, but I was never very good at it. Okay. Um, I want to say to a degree that came down to having not the most optimal teachers, but obviously <laughs> you can never blame them. Uh, so um, no, definitely nobody taught it to me. Okay. Fortunately, right. Which is so you were uh, self-taught mostly for for most I, of it. Yes, I had to. I was. I, I did tutorials. Um, mm-hmm. It's basically all online. Um, I was again, as I said, I was studying, but. Um, I think it's very seldomly the case that your course actually provides you with all the information you need. So as I was actually very niche at that point, and there was no Mm -hmm. specialization in tech art in a sense Mm -hmm. that isn't only rigging. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Also, I thought in the beginning tech art is rigging, and I unfortunately really don't like rigging. (laughs) So I was like, I'm never going to be tech art. It's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I was in the beginning of my studies. I was like, I'm never, tech art is horrible. It's rigging. I don't like rigging. I'm not going to do this. Right. Um, but obviously, I was I was definitely uh, schooled in that. That like artists can be very very different from that. Right. Um, so yeah, I had to teach it myself. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's actually a good thing. Like mm-hmm. uh, finding your interest, finding being able to find the material online is a huge privilege of our time. Yeah. And I was able to kind of piece together all the information I needed and mm-hmm. kind of come up with a project for myself and then learn it as needed. Right? right, and then ex- expanding on areas that I really enjoyed, was interested in. Right, yeah. I mean, it's the same with my partner at the moment. I mean, she knew very little to almost nothing about coding, um, but within the six month uh, course that she done, she went from nothing to to being a, a developer. You know, so I think people have this this precognition that tech and coding is something that's almost impossible, right? It's something you can't learn, you can't teach yourself, you have to be naturally gifted at math, you have to be naturally yeah, and you're shaking your head, you're totally like, yeah of course, that's that's, oh, that's bullshit, yeah so, uh, so what were the steps you kind of took or what were the approaches you had when you initially started learning? Did you also have the same you know, I mean, now you know, but back then did you think the same of like, this would be impossible or couldn't do it? Absolutely, yeah I was <laughs> completely um, I was incredibly Incom- like I, I thought I was completely incompetent in anything mm-hmm. that had to do with tech. Right. Um, and I think because of that mindset, mm-hmm. um, I think because of that mindset, I often screwed up 
when it came to technical things because I was like, I can't do this anyway. Right. I will not be able to retain this information anyway. I just want it to be over. Like You're just sabotaging yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, oh, just show me how to do it. Do it once. I don't even want to listen. <laughs> I don't want to even have anything to do with this because I will only experience my right. level of incompetence. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's like just avoidance, right? Um, yeah, and yeah, I remember course. some situations and projects where I was like, oh, blueprints are the absolute. <laughs> hell it's so hard i don't understand anything right but, but on the other hand i didn't uh -huh. sit down and i didn't uh -huh. actually be like okay i'm gonna understand this now because it's right. not magic and yeah. i think the moment that this kind of switch came i was like okay uh -huh. this is not magic you right. can if you put in the effort and the time yeah. and calm your brain and stop the panic you're gonna be fine you, you can learn right yeah. which is which is great i think because just speaking briefly on the podcast in general like i think when i first started the podcast back in 2016 which is five years ago now um when i went to industry workshops and sat down and watched titus lunter paint right i thought that was magic right it was voodoo stuff like i don't know how you're doing this please explain it to me but when he starts breaking down brushes and layers then you start to just mm -hmm. click and go like oh okay this isn't like you know magic there's a, a method to it same in, i mean i'm working as a 3d modeler now right but like when I first opened Maya and looked at all the buttons, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, where do I start? Like, but it's the same with you, right? Like, it's just crazy to think that every subject matter I've approached in this podcast, people always sit on the other end and be like, oh, I knew nothing at the start, I knew nothing when yeah. I began. So, so it's I mean, fine to be really bad at it in the beginning. Yeah, because, well, the failure thing is like, and that's the thing I'm noticing with the people I speak to now who are in my, my, my Discord or on the podcast, your students are like, you know, I'm so afraid that I'm going to try this and I'm going to suck at it. I'm like, well, you have to suck at something to eventually be good at something. So failure is a major part of learning. Um, yeah. So with the learning process you undertook, you know, and again with resources, because this was a, a key thing we talked about. When I left my job in 2012, like ArtStation wasn't even a thing, right? Mm. It was hardly, you know, no man DVDs were still a thing that people were resourcing. So when you started your journey, how were you building your confidence into, you know, branching into tech art or thinking about how to teach yourself the maths part of it? Um, actually, I, I think for me, the, the big thing that made the, the biggest difference for me was finding tutorials online uh -huh. that had a fixed endpoint, a goal, and that very, okay. very thorough. And I can tell you why, because mm -hmm. my fear, or like my fear still is, let's say I'm making a tutorial, I do it doing a tutorial, I find something online that I, that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And my fear is, it doesn't work the way that this person is doing it on the screen. Why is my thing not working? And right. I found some tutorials where I really had the feeling that the person presenting was incredibly thorough. It mm -hmm. was very in-depth. It's not mm -hmm. like, oh, just do it like this and no explanation. Mm. And I was confident, not in myself to a degree, I was confident in the person that they uh -huh. that, that I would be able to do what they did. And I am a very big fan of copying others, kind of being uh -huh. like, I'm just gonna do exactly what you did because you will learn so much in that process. Right. Like, you know, when you start to learn to write, you just copy, uh -huh. copy, copy, copy. And it's course, the same yeah. process. And I feel like you don't even have to be bothered with making anything unique in the first couple of years. I don't, of I course. wouldn't, I would, you don't have to, you can, if you want to, if you have great mm -hmm. ideas, do it. Mm -hmm. But I always felt like coming up with something of my own is very mm -hmm. hard if you do not have the basis. So 
having someone else come up with something and then just copying that person and actually right. achieving the same results and then mm -hmm. maybe starting the thinking process of, oh, what could I do with this? How could I continue? That right. is really what kickstarted my process 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's very like, I mean, again, talk about my partner, but she actually studied her master's in linguistics and she speaks several languages, you know, being Dutch and, and you know, her mum being French. And she was saying that with dialect, it's the same, right? You listen to something, you listen, repeat, you copy, you learn the language. And then eventually when you have enough words, you can form your own sentences. So it's the same with your, your mass approach, your tech approach, that you build these tools that you copy of people and you get to know. And then once you've got enough, you can start building your own things. Yeah. So it's 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 very, I mean, even with painting, it's the same, right? We all know master studies are a thing, right? People who want to get better, they copy things, they make things yeah. replicate. And yeah, so yeah, again, it's great that these these correlations are, are the same as other artistic practices, that there is these tent poles that are the same. So yeah. Yeah, was that, absolutely. When you were doing the tutorials that were in depth, was this math specifically or something no. related to tech right okay for me it was actually houdini so i got into this complete tech art world solely mm -hmm. through houdini and i okay. can and even though maybe like i know i will continue working in houdini definitely in the future mm -hmm. but even mm -hmm. though maybe at some point and actually for the last uh last two of i want to say the last two and a half years of three years that I worked mm. professionally. I have not worked with Houdini professionally. So I did something completely okay. different, even though I only got the job because of my Houdini experience. And okay. the reason why that actually makes sense mm -hmm. is because Houdini is an incredibly great gateway to mm -hmm. maths, to, to visual maths, to being able mm -hmm. to visualize logic, mm -hmm. um, understanding logic and kind of mm quickly in, um, iterating over problems and solving problems really quickly. Mm -hmm. And every time like I kind of want to, for example, um, <clears throat> I want to solve something in UE4 materials. Mm -hmm. I will go to Vex and to Houdini to prototype it because I tell you it's faster for me at least. And right. I'm like, ah, this is how I want to do it. And then I kind of clonkily try to translate it into the way that materials work. Right. Um, that's just because... Um, for me, Houdini is like the easiest language, the easiest mm -hmm. sandbox to work in. And right. get coming in over this gateway just worked really well because it's so I'm such a visual person. Like I have to draw everything up, I have to see everything, I have to have total control over my data. And I feel mm -hmm. like as opposed to, for example, materials sometimes or even blueprints, mm -hmm. um, it's much more obscure, right? So mm -hmm. Houdini to me always was very direct and very I know exactly what's happening at this point. Um, right. Okay. And that helped me a lot. So that's how I got into all of the subjects. Like, it seems like, I mean, I, I suppose it's the same when you think about getting into three D art. Is that you know people are like, oh, should I use Blender? Should I use Mac? Should I use Maya? You know, do I need to learn about texturing? Do I need to learn engine work? You know, there's there's almost so much or mm. too much people think to learn. But I know for me, when I've kind of learned things, I've tried to have a narrow focus. I mean, I've I've dabbled in Blender here and there, but I'm like, well. Maya is now at the point where like the technology and the software is out of my way. I'm just making things with it. I'm not searching for menus. I'm searching for buttons. So when it comes to Houdini, what would you say is the biggest obstacle you found initially that you overcame when you were learning the software? Hmm. Was it technically just learning how the software worked or was it trying to get it to do something specific when you were first building generators or you know math within it? I mean, I'm, and it's probably a quite in-depth question, but is there anything you can think of that maybe when you first learned it, it was really a struggle or something that you stuck for a while? Um, I want to say that 
actually dealing with some of the internal nodes was a problem for me because they're sometimes quite clunky. Okay. Um, which is why I actually started to nearly only write code in Houdini because it's so easy right. <laughs> and so fast, uh, very quickly. <laughs> it's a very also Houdini is an amazing software to learn coding because Vex, right. is, a, Vex is a shader language. It's very mm -hmm. uh, C close to C from its um, from its like uh, terminology and everything. It's really okay. Easy to write, easy to understand, mm -hmm. um, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, actually, I never had any issues with. I when I when I learned Houdini, it was like I found something that was easy for me. It was right. it was never hard, right? Okay. In that sense, but only because I had uh -huh. an I had amazing tutorials to follow. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, but then I followed one tutorial, not twenty, as you said. Narrow focus. I did one really big one, not twenty small ones. Ah. Okay. Right. So I was just about to ask you. So, like, I mean, for me, I know that the uh, chamfer zone tutorials have been something that I've definitely went back to in three D connection. Like, there's things like that where, you know, you pick one person that you kind of latch to that that mm. you know think is like this thing for me, the thing that I'm going to follow. Although I haven't seen a lot of stuff with Houdini, is this something that you accessed via was it a, a tech art website or something that you no, went to? It's actually, I don't know if, if you know her, but it mm. was the Lake Houses tutorial by Anastasia Opara. Okay, no, I don't know that, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a massive, I think, oh my God, don't let me lie, easily six, seven, eight hour series where wow. she starts really from nothing and makes... A complete building generator like very specific like she does things very differently from how i do them now for games for example but okay. her focus was more like i want to have a nice generator in houdini and i want to make mm -hmm. like a, a, a nice rendering in the end but that's right. fine and and i was like okay um mm -hmm. this sounds great it's mm -hmm. eight hours i guess it's like fairly in depth and yes it was it touched <laughs> on tons of maths tons of like mm -hmm. uh little programming things logic mm -hmm. things um mm -hmm. And doing that, and actually, I spent months on that. Mm -hmm. Wow. I spent at least two months every day working on that, making wow. my own stuff and not mm -hmm. doing anything else. Because, like, honestly, for, like, I want to say every 10 minutes of video, I need easily 30 to 40 minutes in my own work, maybe more. Right, yes. Yeah, because so, you... Like you you yeah, learn, you, you stop, you take in, you go back. You Google, yeah. you right. You check other out other resources, but you always come back to your main resource. Right. So okay. that's what yeah. I did. So basically, there was something taught, there was some technique. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> let me look up what's connected to this. Let me try right. out some things, and yeah, and and that really gave me this. Actually, I was. It was like like a crash course. Mm -hmm. It was like a two months crash course. Um, and um, it was absolutely worth it because the quality was absolutely amazing and there are people who have amazing amazing houdini tutorials uh, maths in houdini mm -hmm. is one or um yeah also things like she does amazing like procedural mandalas like she's mm -hmm. now into machine learning um mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah this is yeah absolutely amazing yeah yeah so i mean how was that initial was that just a, a simple Google search of technical art or Houdini tutorial? Was, was yeah, it Houdini that... tutorial. Okay, right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, thank God for the internet, right? It's like, <laughs> I honestly struggle to think what the world would be like, especially for our profession, like, without it, because there's just, there's so much online now. It's just overwhelming. The fact that, you know, I mean, uh, Jeremy Escado was talking about this other day in the Dynasty Empire about how, 
you know, he felt how quickly his learning would have just doubled if he had had access to the internet like we have now. And, you know, even people who come out and say, like, oh, you know, I can't afford this tutorial or this, you know, YouTube is so now full of free stuff mm-hmm. that people will teach, you know, so easily. Do you find that with the Houdini stuff and tech art, it's becoming more commonplace within people teaching it or is it still quite a niche thing? I want to say it's still a little bit of a niche thing, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like people are now much more, because it's a niche thing, I feel like people mm-hmm. are more encouraged to share the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't feel confident yet right. to do that in any way. Um, well, you're still learning your career as well. so Exactly. Yeah. And I, I kind of, I'm a very strong believer in only speak when you have something to say, and something valuable yes. to add. So, okay. um, and maybe I'm being overly critical of myself there, but like, I'm always like, oh no, is this worth sharing? Nah, rather not. So Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's also, you're one of the few, I think within that industry that is, you know, kind of, charging a course you know within games especially but i mean uh how was it that you came to splash damage especially because such a big studio and you know you were saying that they were they were your first job right so mm-hmm. how did you lead from basically student to working full-time professionally in the games industry um so what i did is i Again, in my studies, in my semester, we always did a semester project, um, Mm -hmm. and I felt very unhappy with the work Mm -hmm. I was doing there and the opportunities I was getting in the course to a degree. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because obviously, who you work with, who your teammates are, what their interests are, is going Mm -hmm. to determine what you're allowed to do. And in the last semester before my bachelor's degree, I basically, which was a semester after my internship at a German documentary film company. Okay. Um, I was like, okay, I have now found out I want to do this Houdini thing. Mm-hmm. Seems seems like a cool thing. Seems like it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want, and that was before I did all the tutorial stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I have now three months of semester break, and then I will have, mm-hmm. I think, six months of next semester or something. So mm-hmm. in the semester break, um, I used every day for learning Uh Um, and I really want to say if you're studying and you do have a like three months semester break for example like three months learning three months semester break right Uh Um, use that time because it's never going to come back and Uh um, so what I did is basically every morning like I woke up at a specific time I did my tutorial work I did some artwork Uh I I took my walk and I like I had a very structured day um, and I learned Houdini Um, that was my goal. Basically. Marina wants to learn Houdini because Marina wants to do something with Houdini in the next semester project. Right. Um, and then I was successful with that. And kind mm-hmm. of with some friends, we drew up an idea where I could use my skills in for the next semester. Mm-hmm. And we had to push, push, push with quite some pressure to get this <sighs> idea through. So I was able to start the um, Shantytown, which was done right. during studies. Right. It was yep. It was a semester project for me. Mm-hmm. And I really worked every day in the university every morning I was there every evening I left and Mm -hmm. um, like a job like I treated everything like a job like my studies are my job right right and uh, that way I was able to produce one good artwork like let's say one one good portfolio piece and I think that's also good advice you don't need to Mm -hmm. have 10 one can be enough 100%. 100%. And I yes. took two, I so I had an, like, I still have an amazing uh, friend. Um, mm-hmm. His name is uh, Jonas Hasiwi. 
and he's um, he's a concept artist and he studied with me. He was in my semester project. So mm-hmm. um, while I did all the the techie part and I did the modeling and the and the and the texturing and I really poured my art as well into it in my artistic mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, uh, I always asked like when it came to rendering and to presenting, I always asked him for like. Uh, conceptual advice and like composition advice because I'm not very good at that stuff. So he kind right. of drew out the composition. Oh, you have the lighting here and this and this and I, and with that I was able to make really nice promotional images. And right. That all combined the tech, the art, and the promotional images, which then generated some traffic, right? Some mm-hmm. some attention. That is how I got the first job. I mean, it seems crazy to think that you know, that one project led into your whole career. But like, yeah. like you said, that that can happen so quickly with people who have, you know, even recently somebody shared an environment art, artist who is also, uh, funny enough, German and was studying, uh, I don't know where specifically, but she's only done maybe two uh, full pieces, but those pieces are so well done that, you know, she's been flooded with offers and people trying to hire her. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. So, I mean, there's probably a big gap between where you are now and where you started and you know you don't talk about you know so many things you've worked on but what was the the process like joining splash were they initially building up from your uh, article and your thing you done with eight level and you know when people were kind of featuring your stuff like were they just getting in contact and email and saying look we're interested in you coming over to maybe try for the position were you doing any kind of art tests how did that process start um no, I actually reached out to them. So okay. <clears throat> I was in a position where I needed to find a job in London. Right. Because of my partner. Who, right. Um, like we decided together that my partner would take a job in London. Mm-hmm. So actually, while I was doing the semester project, I was on yeah. my own in Germany. And I was like, my goal is London. Right. And I, I want to go there. Yep. Um, so once, and, and I knew that that was in 2018 and I knew that, excuse me, mm-hmm. I knew that it was, there was industry workshops 2018, mm-hmm. I think July, August or something in London. So I was right, like, yep. okay, Marina, that's your goal. At mm-hmm. that time, your project has to be finished. I actually didn't, right. didn't care that much about this the university deadlines because why (laughs) right i just had to had to had to send in something but i knew that was my actual deadline i knew there would be rock steady there would be splash damage there would be uh creative assembly like all of these uh, some guildford studios as well i think yeah Yeah. so i was like okay i can talk to people there i can show my portfolio and i can Mm -hmm. that is my that is my moment right right um so i got everything ready i got everything on the tablet and i actually just walked around and i spoke to rocksteady i spoke to splash damage um mm-hmm. and they were all incredible like they were so i i i i didn't even expect this but like they were so interested and so oh tech art that's so cool um which <laughs> just made me so incredibly happy it was such a great experience to have yeah. somebody be interested mm-hmm. in your work and actually ask yeah. questions that yeah. was so cool because i was just a student obviously um yeah. so i spoke to um an artist at Splash Damage, who's actually right. also still at Splash Damage, and mm-hmm. uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, that's amazing! Here, my contact." And I talked, and I actually had lunch with a recruiter because he was a friend of a friend. Right. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, just send me an email when you come back tomorrow or something." So I sent them an email, right. sent sent across my portfolio, mm-hmm. and back then, actually, even at that point, I mm-hmm. I wasn't calling myself a tech artist because I right. didn't 
I, I didn't understand. Like I was, I still, I think I still had business cards with technical environment artist, which is actually not even a thing. I didn't even know right. the job terminology yet. Okay. Like I, I'm applying for jobs that I don't know the t- terminology <laughs> of. So I, I actually the recruiter. Um, who's a really great guy, but I was like, mm-hmm. he asked me, so what do you actually want to apply for? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe environment, maybe tech yeah. art. And he's like, okay, yeah. we can, co- we consider you for both. So they were mm-hmm. incredibly like, uh, supportive. We're like, we're like, we're, we're considering you for both positions and then you can, we can see how things go and you can choose. And well, right. I chose tech art. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems that, I mean, you were in, a really advantageous position, especially when it comes to your portfolio and finding the right company. But I mean, you know, I think the reason also they were probably super enthusiastic was because, you know, like you said, you know yourself that tech art is a niche and that it's not something that's commonplace. So when people find people like that, you know, they're like, oh my God, when you clink to this person and, you know, get them on our team because, you know, as many environment artists as there, you know, there's only maybe, you know, for an environment team of maybe like 20, 30 people, there's maybe only two technical artists, right? Sometimes in teams. So, Within your team, I mean, because you're working specifically within tech art and you're working within the pipeline, how big is, I mean, I don't know if you can talk to me, how big your team is or how big the, the technical team is, but are, are you quite a small condensed team as well within Splash? You mean the tech art team or the team I yeah. support? Well, see, this is the thing as well that's that's going to be new to me because I wouldn't know where maybe you would sit within that company organization because you'll have, you know, for me, I would know like, okay, you've got your producers and you've got your high ups, you've got an environment art team, you've got your concept team, you know, you've got cinematics, a couple mm-hmm. lighting, you know, a couple of things like that. But where do you kind of sit within that process? Are you kind of reaching out and helping all those teams or maybe one or two specifically? So the way that it's structured, it's splash damage at mm-hmm. least. And mm-hmm. I know it's not the same way everywhere. Yeah. Um, what we have, so we have a tech art team, obviously, and mm-hmm. um, it's not a very big team. Mm-hmm. Actually, unsure. I would say for the whole company, maybe we're between ten and fifteen maximum, rather okay, towards right. ten. Right. I want to say. Pretty small still. <laughs> and that includes leads. So. Right. Yeah. yeah so I want to say some, something something in that regard, and it it right. it, it, it was smaller as well. Mm-hmm. Like we just we just grew a little bit. Okay. But obviously, people are leaving as well. Um, right. So it's it's. I know that for them, it's always a struggle to find good people. Um, yeah. But yeah, what we do is basically we have our specializations, and that can actually mm-hmm. change per project. So in one project, you can mainly support, let's say, the environment team, the world team, and then right. project ends, next project starts, or mm-hmm. you get you get shifted around because of your skill set, right. and suddenly you support the cinematics team or okay. the UI team, right? Right. Um, and um that obviously depends on the person's preferences and the person's skills um so you have a say in that you can say i really don't want to work on xyz right okay or i really really want to work on this other thing um right but yeah we're basically embedded in our external teams we are we we do speak every day amongst ourselves obviously Mm -hmm. but generally we are part for example i'm part of the content team i'm part of the world team Mm-hmm. in that sense and i support mainly environment artists but also sometimes right. level designers mm-hmm. um and um yeah maybe there's there's someone else who mm-hmm. uh only supports um cinematics and maybe character another right. person uh, usually supports 
I don't know, yeah, maybe UI or something like that, depending on where the need is. Also, there's different need throughout the project. So maybe in the beginning, there's more need towards standalone tools, then later right. more need towards like support and then mm -hmm. optimization and it shifts. And um, yeah, it can still happen that I get like a task from a different team and like, oh, you're the only one who's like semi-free. Can you please jump onto that? We're like, okay, right. I've not spoken to these people in a year, but fine. <laughs> We're gonna I mean, solve it. Yeah, I was gonna say so it seems like a kinda almost daily thing where people are deciding where is the most need within the project, right? So like, oh well, this is the most important thing right now, so we can move you know to this, or maybe this something comes up all of a sudden, right? Okay, can we shift again? I mean, it's probably the more interesting role where you maybe no know maybe not know from day to day what you're doing, right? I mean you maybe know from week to week, but it changes so rapidly that you it's, it would be very hard to be stagnated in that job, right? Because you wouldn't feel that you're doing the same thing every day. Maybe because it, it, it sounds like you're constantly getting challenged all the time with what you're getting presented with. I mean, is that the case? Is it something that you find that you're going to your work in every day is kind of like a new adventure or a new thing to find out and figure out problem solving wise? Um, I mean, being stagnant in this job, I think, is definitely possible, <clears throat> right. unfortunately. Um, okay. But it's it's something that I think. Um, if if it happens, uh, should we not be encouraged because it's it's hurting everyone, right? In a sense, mm -hmm. um, but it really depends on the kind of project that you're working on and the right. kind of product that you're shipping. Like if it's a game that just mm -hmm. like same process, same idea over and over and over again, I can right. very much think that there might not be the greatest new challenges that come around the corner every day. It might just be a revamp and a revamp and a revamp. Right. Um, however. At least in my situation, I mm -hmm. like we usually have a very good plan for the next couple of months, and right. it's actually the lead tech artist's um, <clears throat> job to mm -hmm. make this plan. And at least in my case, we are all involved, and we are being asked for our opinion and for our feelings and mm -hmm. um, for what we think is most important. And then obviously, right. uh, other teams will make requests, but mm -hmm. this will all be planned out in advance. So I know mm -hmm. very well what is going to happen, let's say, until the end of the year or something. At least. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And obviously, that doesn't mean that, let's say, ad hoc, there isn't something where you have to help or mm -hmm. something goes wrong, something doesn't mm -hmm. work out, you have to do it differently. Right. There's a change of plans. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> A deadline is moved and so on. Mm -hmm. That can mm -hmm. all happen. But I would say in general, you do know quite well what you're working on. Right. I mean, it seems like a great undertaking because, you know, you've went from, again, like we talked about, you were a student, you know, and you didn't work or have any experience within AAA. And then you know, all of a sudden you are working in AAA and you're working these big IPs. And, you know, like you said, you've had a great support system within your, your job and you've had opportunities to feedback to people like, I'm enjoying this, I'm not enjoying this, I want to work in this, I don't want to work in this. I mean, it seems like a thing where, you know, people talk about the game industry, especially that, I mean, maybe not so much in the UK, but I mean, I know in overseas people have had experiences, but not only being a tech artist within the industry, because that's such a niche job, but now, of course, the other niche that I was going to talk about briefly is the fact that you're also a woman uh, working in games. So, is that something that you found has been an advantage to your position or disadvantage or has it just been a, a, not something at all that you've really thought about when you come into the role and have your colleagues and your work also treated you different or the same or equal? How has that experience been for you so far within AAA? Which is a big subject. I know it's a huge kind yeah, of worms to open and talk fine. about, but yeah. 
I must say for me, it's always been a completely positive experience. I've never had any issues whatsoever. Um, mm -hmm. That may come down to a degree also to my personality, because obviously mm -hmm. every woman has a, every person, everyone has a different personality. And some people are more, more prone to maybe um, being stepped over because if you have somebody mm -hmm. who is in your team, who's like looking for a victim and then it's like, ah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And you don't, you obviously never want that to happen and you never want anyone to encourage this behavior. But um, I was very lucky that um, I was never perceived negatively in my confidence if i want to say right. something like that yeah. i know yeah. that women are sometimes titled bossy or right aggressive or something like that never ever yeah. happened it was always seen as something very positive i was Good. always getting praise i want to mm -hmm. say for being assertive and for knowing mm -hmm. what i want like people are like yeah. oh thank god somebody knows what they want <laughs> it's like okay cool that yeah. sounds great yeah. so yeah. um I never had any issues and I was always like su surrounded by an extremely supportive team. Um, mm -hmm. And I knew that if there had ever been any issues of any kind, right. um, I would have always had the full backing of mm -hmm. my team and of the company. And um, mm -hmm. so I never had any issues, fortunately. Yeah, which is good, I think. And, and we did talk about this briefly kind of before we started talking officially on the podcast. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously been a bit of a, a nightmare for some people, but it's always good to me to hear those positive experiences because you want people to know, women especially, that, it, you know, it isn't always bad, right? It isn't always uh, the horror stories that you hear. There are there are good studios, there are good people out there that are helping people grow, women grow, especially within tech. I mean, you talked about within your team specifically that you have a younger person who's in another woman who's came into tech art and is also working up and they've also been encouraged and helped along the way and pushed to do other things. So, yeah, it was just briefly to talk about your experience, but it's good that it's positive, at least. It's, it's, it's good that you're not you know, regretting being there or regretting the things you've done. So, yeah. Not I mean, okay. within that also within tech art, I mean, you've put up a couple of examples of stuff you've done in Gears Tactics with cinematics and, and you know, the other pieces of maybe UI you've worked with in certain different aspects of the game. Is there anything that you found within tech that you've done over the last two and a half, three years that you've been there that you've really honed in on? Is there something specifically that you've really found is a love or a thing you want to focus on more going on in the future? Um, I mean, to be honest, I want to go back to the roots in the future. Mm -hmm. I really would love to do more um, procedural work. Okay. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be Odini, but I really enjoy making environment tools. Um, right. It's the, the thing I started off with. It's the thing that I, I, I found most enjoyable when I was studying and mm -hmm. <clears throat> I want to say that that is something that I definitely would like to focus on more because you just mentioned Gears Tactics and there was, uh, I, I did the cinematics, I, like I supported the cinematics team, mm -hmm. I supported the UI team, mm -hmm. I did lots and lots of, I think, very crucial in-between work. Like, mm -hmm. uh, for example, I worked on <clears throat> something that we called the Convoy, which is like basically a feature of the game where mm -hmm. you level up where you dress your characters where you change your gear mm -hmm. where you open loot boxes where you mm -hmm. kind of you start it's, it's kind of this progression indicator um right. which is a world in itself and has had tons and tons of challenges right um so really that is what i did on gears tactics um yeah i had nothing to do with what i did before <laughs> <laughs> so um Actually, going a bit more back to that and actually being mm -hmm. able to possibly also learn much more from people who have done this before and who are right. able to teach me more in maths. I love yeah. maths. Um, mm -hmm. Again, would love to go go 
much further into into more environment focused tools um supporting right. environment teams and i yeah. mean yeah i was going to say with regards to environment and with regards to the end result and i mean i think obviously it's been great that you've been able to post some work that you've done within the gears universe as well but it's a thing that I think came up time and time again when I openly talked about the, the, the question of I'm going to have a tech artist on. Is there anything you'd want to specifically ask them? Um, people did come back to the kind of same questions, but one that I did notice that stuck out, and I don't know if you want to talk about this you know, in depth or a wee bit, but people talked about how you're kind of more, like with a lot of things, maybe like even like UI, where you're kind of behind the scenes, you're maybe not making mm-hmm. the flashy gun, the, the massive bomb, whatever the hell the characters, you know, you're kind of, like you said, the in-between, right? You're helping those those things connect. Is that something that's ever bothered you or something that you think would ever make the job less enjoyable or is it something you don't really think too much about? Um, it's a very interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this this really uh, depends on the kind of audience you're talking about. Who are you trying to flash? Are you trying to flash the user, the player? Are you trying to flash your art colleagues? Are you trying to flash the art students? Or are you trying to flash the tech students and the tech people and um, the graphics programmers or whoever? And I must say that I, number one, no, I never had an issue with any of that because I am still able to have a portfolio and I'm right. still able to show people this is what I did. Yeah. Um, it might not be the art part, but right. once they understand what I did and what the yeah. challenges were and mm-hmm. how it worked out, they're like, oh, that's so cool. That's interesting. Right? Tell right. me more. So I still yeah. get that exposure in that sense. And yeah. um, I actually feel a lot happier with um maybe it's because i was never good at tech maybe it was because i was never good at maths and then being able to show something that i did um and people being interested in it and actually understanding it and wanting to know more about it is all i like that's all the recognition i need really yeah of course makes me so happy yeah definitely i think it's it's kind of twofold there's definitely people who would think more of well i can't show off what i'm doing or i can't uh show to other people but then there's people also who are like Oh, I could work on a project for four or five years and have nothing in my portfolio. How yeah. would that? How would that be? You know, so yeah, that can suck. Yeah, that can really yeah. suck if you're not Definitely. allowed to even show anything at all. That's very sad, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially I think <laughs> within your case, when you're working with uh, the the co-op version, you know, when when you're dealing with other companies and you're doing work mm. for them. I mean, especially when I was back in Axis in 2017, you know, a lot of the guys I knew who worked there were always doing amazing work, but then there was always an element of if the company wasn't up for it, you couldn't show what you were working on. So you could work there a couple of years, mm. do five or six cinematics, and then you couldn't show anything from that. And then you're trying to explain yeah. to other people what you've done there and, and try to talk through it where it's such a visual art, you want to show something. So I, it's, it's a fine line, I think, you've got to kind of balance when you work within this industry is that, you know, you want to, you don't have to be flashy and be in front of everybody, but you also want to be able to show people that you have done something of value and you can show that yeah, to them, right? Exactly. Yeah. You do want to you do want to be able to build a track record, even if it's only going to be understood by a small percentage of the people. But that's fine with right. me. Right. Right. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I I really I mean I maybe it's I really only once had the success art wise, right? So right. it was only once that when I when I did the the Shantytown work that I basically right. um, that I that I had like my work being on the front page of ArtStation. It, that was great. It, it made me so happy. 
yeah. but honestly, after a week, it's like I've heard about it. <laughs> On to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Short lived. <laughs> yeah. It's it's it's. I don't do the job for fame at all. I and I know yeah. that many artists who are like they have this. Oh, I need to show, and I have this following, and they have right. fans, right? I yeah. don't have any fans, so <laughs> nobody. Like, I'm just the person well, sitting. Well, that's not because I told you today you do have one fan, yeah. <laughs> and you have me. I'm a fan of your work as well, oh. so yeah, you have you have some you have some fans. That's, yeah, that's I mean, true. like, yeah, I, I think I've, I've always said to people anyway within <clears> this industry that if you're getting it for the glory, then. You're in it it doesn't. Reasons. No, don't. No, even the people I know who, yeah, I mean the people I know at the top of the game who are, are super famous and have all these followings, like they don't even really care about it. They're just like it's a thing. It's happened. Whatever, I'll move on. But um, yeah. if you know that if you do it for it, like that, actually never ever crossed my mind to be honest. <laughs> I'm yeah. just so happy doing the job itself. I yes. don't need anything else. Like yes. And then if I get that opportunity to at least like maybe document what I did, maybe make a little post, that makes me very yeah. happy. Um, but it's also so much work. Like it's so much work to constant, constantly post stuff. Like I yeah. just, oh god, I hate social media so much. I can't be bothered. <laughs> I've totally. I mean, I'm I'm coming off it more and more as as time goes on. I mean, initially it was such a huge part because I was networking through it and I was meeting people. Mm. And, and you know, luckily the the, the fun of the job I have now. Uh, if you guys don't know, haha, surprise, I have a job now. I'm working with you guys. But uh, the, the person who hired me was somebody I contacted almost 10 years ago. You know, before I even left my job, he was one of the first people I emailed being like, what is a concept artist? And, you know, we built a relationship from there. But mm-hmm. yeah, like it has, it has its positives where like the networking stuff is great for initial workshops and meeting people and obviously the podcast. But the only reason I keep doing this isn't really for the fame. It's the fact that like I get so many emails from people who are like, your podcast made me want to leave my job and go back to school. Like your Aww. podcast has inspired me. Like even when I went out to LA and the guy in the plane recognized me and then, you know, people were coming and speaking to me about, oh, listen, like it, it just blew my mind. So it's a thing where it's not the fame I seek, but I just, it's the idea that I'm helping people, right? That's the biggest draw for me is that yeah. I'm helping somebody else succeed because when I was coming up and, and starting out, you know, there were so many people that helped me. You only just want to help everybody else on top of it. You just want to expand that network. So, um, within like tech art, especially, is that something you think about as well? Do you ever think about giving back or tutorials or helping people with stuff, or is it something that's ever crossed your mind? Oh, definitely. I would love to. Um, I really would love to. Yeah. I think, again, I think this is a me problem that I'm right. kind of like, do I have anything of value to share yet? Right. Right. I've only been yeah. in this job for three years, and you know, you're not doing amazing glory work every day you're actually probably not doing that crazy much of it in in the process of a game like sometimes you have a run and you're just like cool problem cool problem cool problem right (laughs) but uh, very often it's just like support performance right you know um (laughs) it's it's not the bugs 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 uh, all all, everywhere um (laughs) so it's not something where you're like ah i learned this amazing new skill and i want to show it off it's just right i would love to really i I really envy people who are confident enough to kind of and, and who have the knowledge and the experience to put themselves out there and make really interesting helpful content right and i think if i had anything where i felt yeah. like oh, i would love to share this because i think it's new yeah. or something i would love to do it mm-hmm. um but um, m- maybe people have to help me to kind of be like oh this this would be cool <laughs> this would be cool because yeah for me i'm always like oh yeah but is this cool enough no 
Well, I mean, it's even the coolness factor. I think it's just obviously the thing I found within my section of looking at tutorials and, and speaking to people and speaking to students especially is, mm-hmm. is because people think when they build a portfolio stuff or they build even tutorials that they're having to uh, appeal to like a white gambit or like even professionals or people who are their peers. But with tutorials, what you're actually appealing to is the, the lowest common denominator. So people who are just starting mm-hmm. or just finding their feet, don't know anything about the software, that's your biggest draw. Like if I made tutorials now, I wouldn't make a tutorial for people who want to get into hard surface or bullying or ZBrush or workflow like that. I would be people, I'd build like an intro to Maya. Like this is mm. the buttons you use to build a cube. This is how you bullying. So this, you know, like that kind of stuff is more uh, or widely consumed than the niche stuff that at the higher level. You can build to those things and they will have an audience. But the biggest bulky stuff, especially like things like YouTube and even ArtStation is the the complete beginner's guide to like this is how you get into yeah. the software but there's so, already so many of those there's so but many not of houdini but houdini really? specifically well i mean like you like you said you had the one that you kind of followed but mm. it's not a thing where you're trying to follow loads of people who are maybe trying it as a hobbyist but you're a working professional right you're mm. working in this industry you have experience so there that stands you above everybody else because we know how hard it is right you and i both know how hard it is to get in this industry and maintain a job and you've done it so the thing is that you're coming from a place where you have something to say because you've achieved that, right? You've worked and built yourself a career in the industry. So you're not just some Joe on YouTube who knows nothing or is doing it or not. In between their schoolwork at the weekends. I mean, like, <clears throat> yeah. there's plenty of people who teach my out there who are 15 years old, but they're no industry professionals, right? I mean, let me let me tell you, uh, imposter, imposter feelings never never go away no matter how, yes, how exactly. much success you have in yep. whatever traditional non-traditional sense yep. so it's uh i'm not sure i think i think if i if i wanted to make a tutorial what i would probably do is really something like what you just mentioned like an intro big, thing yeah yeah but a, a big series like starting from nothing but actually making something sick and i think I that is that. The, that is I the difference that from you <laughs> i tell you and that to me is what makes a successful tutorial so maybe i just i just found the code to a successful, successful yeah, tutorial yeah i mean like we were literally when we were in university and we were learning Maya at the time because we knew mm. nothing about it right but we were going on YouTube and there was kids 15 16 year old were doing intro videos and there was like 400,000 views on some of them because they were like so good even though they were and the you know the high, high squeaky voice mm. and hey guys they teach you Maya <clears throat> like the things they were talking about I was like oh my god that I never knew that menu existed and you can you can press the G key to repeat your last tool oh my god I never so like it it, it doesn't really matter that the fact that like it's it's something that's like oh it's amazing and it's so cool and you can you know yeah the content doesn't have to be incredible as long as it's thorough as long as it's in depth as long as it's something that people can follow along and it's not too overly complicated so yeah yeah i mean i think for me again the most important part about a tutorial is you start mm-hmm. up with nothing which means that you get people on board which right. was something that I, like, if I see a tutorial that starts mm-hmm. with too much knowledge of a thing that I don't know about, I will not watch right. it because I'm going to feel bad. Like, I'm going to be very, right. I'm like, I cannot cross this hill before I can even understand what you're doing. So I'm not going to try it. So yeah. if you have a tutorial that starts from nothing, but you know mm-hmm. that the end product is going to be sick, it's not going right. to be just like, oh, I learned this button click. <laughs> that is something, okay, I will look at that now if I want specific knowledge. But if I'm a right. starter, right, mm-hmm. what I will want is something sick that i can be happy about proud about maybe expand mm-hmm. on in the end so mm-hmm. having this zero to hero thing maybe yeah and yeah. illustrating I mean, that, that this process process isn't the craziest in the world 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, like even recently, like uh, Chamferzone, Tim for Chamferzone just put out a tutorial for Blender, which was building a Magnum. And for like me, that's the perfect thing because like so many mm. people I know want to build guns. So like the best way to get people into hard surface is you can build a gun, you can build mm -hmm. an assault rifle, you can build a Magnum. So, you know, for like your Shantytown, for example, that, I mean, even since I saw that article years ago, before I even knew it was you that had done it, you know, I was looking at that thinking, God, that's so cool. Imagine being able to just press one. Because I mean, I know initially I looked at stuff like that with uh, Leon Tucker, right? Because mm. he was building... Uh, through Cinema 4D, he was building those generation maps of buildings and then painting over yep. the top of them. And I thought that generation aspect was always so cool. That was something I was like, I would love to get into that. And it's the same with me where I'd love to get into tech art. I'd love to dive deeper because I already have a kind of foundation in environment art and in the tool sets, mm -hmm. shaders, networks, node networks especially, that I'd want to expand on that, right? And, and But the thing that's always put me off, and I know, speaking to Ian from Epic, a couple other guys, shout out Ian, that... Uh, that love that side of it, the tech, the tech art side of it, and already accomplished in environment art, the thing that's putting us off is the coding, is the math. But then listening to you talk through this whole interview, right, you've spoke about how, well, I didn't know any math. I didn't know <laughs> where to start. I didn't think I was great at it either, but mm -hmm. I learned it. Yeah. And that's the thing that gives me confidence to approach another subject. And I think with that knowledge, like you could build something totally amazing that would feed so many people's inspiration to get into tech art, right? Which would be another great milestone for you, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, I would definitely love to do that. I think right now, unfortunately, I have a lot on my plate. Um, but um, obviously, there's always room in the future. And yeah. I mean, again, I only started three years ago, so right. give me some time. But it's yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But three years, I think, even in this industry and the way it moves and with the projects you've been involved in, you've covered a lot of ground, right? You've done probably more than you thought you were going to do initially when you joined the company. I had but... no idea what I would even be doing. Like I was right. completely oblivious to the job itself. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know how I got here. Working in day one, and they're sitting down in your chair. You're like, cool. I'm confused. So... <laughs> What are we doing? <laughs> I, I press yeah. buttons. Yes. But splash, dam splash damage was, and the, not like I mean when I say splash damage, what I mean is the people working there and working with me and right having worked with me, um, right. were the people like just made it so easy. Right. They made it so easy, and they um, they made such a big effort to make me feel welcome and to support right. me because, as I said, um, unfortunately, many women. Um, I think many starters anyway, but especially women who start off right. with something that they might have been afraid of earlier in their lives, right. um, yeah. they do have confidence issues, right? You're like, right. oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Can I do this? Yep. Oh my God, are they going to yep. fire me next week? Are they going to find out that it was a mistake that they hired me? Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So this ki these kind of thoughts, I think everybody has them, but, but to a degree, sometimes I feel like it must, it might be a little bit worse for women simply because you do not have the role models. And if I look around, right. like, I can't, I think we have less than, I mean, don't quote me this, but I think we have less than 10% of women in in the studio who are not in, like, finance or HR. Like, actually, deaf women, right. um, I think it's less than 10%. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can definitely say that it feels like less than 10% for sure. Um, <laughs> so it's like you do not have the role models. I never, mm -hmm. unfortunately, never had a female tech lead. Um, right. So where do you take the confidence from? There's nowhere right. to take them from. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's much harder. In, in my opinion, it's much harder. And seeing seeing more female tech leads, and especially mm -hmm. especially say tech leads, art leads, mm -hmm. it, it's different. I think there's right. more going on there, more female tech artists and stuff, uh, female environment yeah. artists. But yeah. especially female tech leads uh, mm -hmm. are, are like, I, 
I maybe have met one or two in my life. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it's like a changing of the guard because, I mean, you think about, if we think about games really where it started from in the 70s and when it started to bloom in the 90s, you're only talking 20, 30 years ago. You know, mm. the, the industry is now starting to see a shift where diversity is a huge thing and people are obviously hiring more women, more people of colour. So there is a change there, but that's going to take, I mean, you think about even the film industry. I mean, the film industry now has only been about 100 years going, but then <laughs> yeah. games are still so new that, you know, I mean, I think something like I think within Bloomberg, they were talking about an article where something like 80% of the jobs within tech haven't even been invented yet, right? Because we don't know what we're going to need specifically. You know, tech art is a brand new job. I mean, when I started in 2012 when I left my job, concept art was only just beginning to be a thing. Hmm. Like, Interesting. You know, so, yeah, I mean, and environment art's always kind of been there, but yeah, it's a weird... It's a weird place we're in right now, I think, yeah. with, within the industry. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you've built this whole appreciation for tech art and where you went for the start and where you're going back to, is there anything resource-wise you think you would shout out currently that is fulfilling that tech art niche? Is there anything? I mean, you've talked about the 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 tutorial you've done initially, which we'll link below so people can check that out. But is there anything that you're looking at uh, right now that... Uh, you know, it's something that has taken your notice or something you've noticed that's, that's kind of popped up that you want to go back to and look at in more depth? You mean like a, like a topic or like a new area? Yeah, anything you've seen recently in the last couple of months or the last even year that you've looked at and thought, I want to dive into that. That looks really interesting. I mean, to me, that's actually shaders. Um, right. So I, I want to, I really want to get further into 3D graphics and the 3D graphics pipeline. Um, okay. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, materials and shaders uh, are, are, are like just the applied end product to a degree, but I'm yeah. incredibly interested in the math behind 3D graphics, and right. I love, I'm still a complete noob, like, I'm just talking <laughs> about, I'm just like dropping dropping um, terminology that I have no clue right. about, but like, right. I, re I really would love to to learn more about the 3D graphics pipeline, about um, right. how does it actually work, um, how how is everything being actually translated into an image uh right. how how does it work how can i how can i write custom shaders and i mean materials are one thing but i'm i'm actually much i like i prefer writing code uh, like mm -hmm. writing shader code specifically because it is quite easy in my opinion it is not very complex in a sense right. like and i want to say something like c++ complex like it's it's scripting to me Right, right. It's, it's much easier, and I didn't have the time yet, and um, didn't have uh, kind of the learning plan yet. But mm -hmm. let's say I have the learning plan. I'm just not at that point yet because I'm actually right, right now learning maths. Started right. with uh, trigonometry, just finished trigonometry, and will soon move on to uh, brush up my linear algebra question, uh, linear algebra um, uh, skills. <laughs> and right. once we've moved uh, to mm. a point. Where all of that is set, I think I would love to to move towards the three D graphics work awesome. much more. Awesome. And stop. Right. Okay. You can okay. go. Take a break. Cool. <laughs> all right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. See you in a bit. Yeah. No worries. Hmm. Yeah. No, it's fine. Okay. On you go. Go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, just kind of wrapping up or, or getting in the end game of this conversation, something that we've kind of came across or, or people have talked about, um, especially Ian, Ian Wisdom, uh, shout Ian, talked about, you know, within 
uh, engine specifically, either Unity, Unreal, or any other ones, what are some things you think that are good to learn or good to look into specifically with an engine work when it comes to Unreal or Unity? Is there one you prefer also, or are they both maybe good at different things, depending on what you're looking for? I mean, I definitely uh, choose a diplomatic answer and say that I think both are, both are good um, right. in certain areas. For example, right. you're seeing lots of, um, I want to say... For example, 2D games or mobile mobile games or games that need lots and lots of like custom shading work, mm-hmm. very, very customized games mm-hmm. being done in Unity. Okay. On the other hand, games that need an easy gateway into 3D environments mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> are more likely being done in Unreal. Right. Um, and it really is a game of like picking picking what you would like to do and then Mm -hmm. finding out what engine is the best for that um right so i i think i've rarely ever seen a 2d game done in unreal for example that's one example um but for example i'm just playing a game it's it's called children of morda okay um it's uh like a roguelike really really beautiful um Mm -hmm. beautiful beautiful game uh Mm -hmm. it's 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 um has like a it's like a dungeon you shoot through dungeons and you kind of mm. um, progress in this beautiful story of a family, but mm. it's basically very flat. It's like mm-hmm. it's pixel art, and okay. it's um, it's like a two point five D perspective. Right. Um, but I know there's much of fakery going on there, and I'm I know they and they're using Unity, for example. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's so interesting what you can do with engines in general. They're so flexible now to really anything you want to do within a project. I mean, I know famously a couple of years back, I had this whole conversation with somebody about uh, Breath of the Wild, right? Zelda, Mm -hmm. because one of the biggest appeals about that game is the fact that the graphically under the hood, it's not showing anything incredible, you know, but the way they've used their shaders, the the kind of tune shaders they're using in that game, it gives it that look. And that came back to when you listen to the team years ago, they were remastering uh, Wind Waker, right? And you notice that the tune like, you know, way they had basically made Wind Waker, you know, years later when they were remastering it, it still looked good because of the way mm. the shaders work. So I think there's definitely a whole thing on shaders that it's it seems like a, a magic is going under the hood that we don't really think about, but it can be very powerful when it comes to games, right? Oh, definitely. And um, writing custom shaders in Unreal is a pain. I've actually mm-hmm. never done it, but everybody okay. who had is like, it's the worst. It's horrible. Don't. You have to edit like a million different files and... Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it in the future because I'm very interested, but that's what right. I've heard. Uh, yeah, but yeah. on the other hand, in Unity is like super duper easy, like new shader and then you write. That's right. what you do, yeah. right? Super so super duper easy. You like, <laughs> no no no. Else. I mean the process, not no, okay. no I mean, the process of actually making a new shader, and with right. shader I mean something that contains code, um, right. is super duper easy uh, mm-hmm. in Unity. And I know in Unreal you can use a custom node and you can like type your code in there. But right. I mean, have a look at the custom node, and you're gonna probably run away screaming because you obviously <laughs> have to you have to write it in a different program where you actually have proper highlighting, and then you copy it in the custom node. And right. um, if you then want to use the custom node with Unreal specific material nodes, you're going to be very mm-hmm. concerned about performance. Um, right. If not, I think it's okay. Um, but mm-hmm. like the both together are kind of like, but um, can be a performance problem. But like, right. there's all these different things. So I think each engine has 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 their ex- uh, right to exist. And right. I, for myself, I'm just so much more comfortable with Unreal right now. 
But right. actually, for as I told you before, I would love to go more into 3D graphics. Um, right. I'm definitely going to do much more with Unity because it is so easy to just write code. <laughs> right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's a thing <clears throat> where I think you have to find your own path, your own way of specializing things that you find you're comfortable with. I mean, with optimization, especially within pipelines, I mean, when do you feel, I mean, you might not be making that call because you're not a lead, you're not maybe higher up, but is there a point your team gets to where you feel like something is optimized enough or is there always continuously something you can change or optimize? Is it always just a constant evolution process? I mean, you can obviously doctor around on the product forever. You, you, if, you, if, you if you ask any artist, um, mm -hmm. they can probably continue to fiddle around with their work forever, but it's never, mm -hmm. it's, it's probably not very good. I mean, right. in tech art, it's it's a tiny bit different because we do have data to back up our work and to be like, okay, mm -hmm. we can see that this is not going as good as it should be. But to right. be honest, once you're hitting your frame rate targets, once you're 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 alright with like reading from disk and everything right. comes together, and you don't have frame drops. Mm -hmm. For example, if your target is let's say 60 FPS at full HD, or I don't know, 30 FPS at 4K or something like that, whatever it might right. be. Once you have hit that target consistently and your publisher is happy, <laughs> that's when you're shipping, basically, right? right. Uh, and, and you yeah. ship the game. And if it's not, if it's a live product, obviously you will continue to improve areas, but um, you will have to actually prioritize new content. So new content will right. need to be worked on first. And you don't even have the opportunity to kind of continue working on the same thing forever because it's not... No, it doesn't it's not feasible so right. once it's good enough it's good enough and right you have to leave it yeah i think it's it's always the constant thing within even art that when do you, when is something done right when is when do you walk away when do you leave something it, it, it can be a judgment call but sometimes it's just like you said it's deadlines it's productivity it's a budget it's something that you need to adhere to because if you go beyond and of course you're going to upset somebody like the producers or the content creators mm. so yeah i mean and again you're wanting things to be as smooth as possible so you don't want to iterate too much into the fact that you break something because if you're going to break something then everybody else's days halted so yeah i mean engines god they're, they're a mess but i suppose the one thing we'd want to ask you as well is that now getting into tech art and the way that things look within Houdini and, and learning process, is there any tips you think you could give to people, maybe even something you would say to yourself when you were starting that you wish you'd known then, but you know now? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, something that I would have told myself back then is that we all just cook with water, I want to say. So there is, even though I know people tend to use these terms with like, oh, it's magic, you're magicians, right. wizards. I know, I know this term Houdini wizards. Uh, right. I actually don't like that at all. I don't, I don't right. like like people calling me that, uh, and I don't think it's very healthy because it puts people on a pedestal. Right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> whereas I think that many of us are much more capable than they think. And yep. again, once you put the fear aside and once you kind mm -hmm. of sit down you're like okay this has this never has to see the light of day nobody ever has to know about this i right. i'm not being judged on this i'm simply mm -hmm. doing this for my own uh edification yeah, yeah. just like education yeah. exactly and um just because i'm interested in something uh, you mm -hmm. don't have to be good at it and i think right. i think that's very important and that's something i still tell myself to this day because i think most of us humans have mm -hmm. a little bit of fear of starting something new. 
Yes. And starting something they haven't done before is just evolutionary makes sense to be yes. a little bit afraid of it, right? Of but there's no tiger biting you around the corner. Nothing's nothing bad is going to happen ever. Right, right. So I think I think that is the, also for students especially um mm -hmm. use the time that you have like the time you have in a course you also if you pay money for your course or whatever mm -hmm. you are not there for the teachers or for the stuff that they teach you you are there for the time that mm -hmm. you have you're there because and it makes sense only because you have this an allotted time in your mm -hmm. life where you can mm -hmm. do nothing but follow what you're interested in and especially when it comes to a subject like game um mm -hmm. game development nobody's yeah. gonna tell you what that is right it's yeah. like honestly in my in my university i don't think people even knew about stuff like ui design i've never right. once heard our professors use these words but right. ui design ui art ui programming are such viable careers i don't think yes. I, I don't think they knew anything about that or, or yeah. at least they didn't share it with us, right? There were no courses right. on that. There was nothing on that, right? Yeah. Uh, so you you still become a UI designer, be very successful, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like people are sometimes very narrow focused in a bad mm -hmm. sense, and right. kind of just chilling out and 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 recognizing that you have this immense privilege of time that you will mm -hmm. most likely never have again in your life to right. do what you are interested in, like really yeah. use it and. Made, it made my heart bleed when I saw my fellow students game away their time and calling it research. I think that's the most laughable thing ever. <laughs> I, I hope nobody's doing that anymore, but probably some people are. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very sad because you have, you, you, even though games are fun, making them, right. make, making games is a, a really, it's, a, it's like a trade, I want to say. It's like something you learn. It's a physical thing you do. Right. It's not not theoretical, and you you can't just like write your exams and get a job, right? You have to do right. it. It's it's like a trade. Right. So yeah. um, yeah, use the time, and make the best of it. Yeah, I mean, like it's a thing. Even now, you're finding that you can still. I mean, if you love games, you can still. <clears throat> you told you told me yourself, you're playing something right now, right? <laughs> so as long as you're in balance with everything, like as long as you're giving enough time to your studies, enough time to everything else, you know, you can fit those things in like gaming, you know, it's just that, you know, you can't do it for eight hours a day. You can't. Oh no. Tell, yeah, you can. It's a hobby. Those... It's not, it, honestly, gaming is a hobby. And if your hobby takes up most of your day, it's no longer a hobby. It's an occupation. Exactly. If it doesn't pay, you have a problem on your hands, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was uh, Justin Fields was saying something about the healing for somebody else is that there's a time in your life when you need to stop playing games and start making them. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I think, and and I feel that the stuff I'm doing now is more rewarding than any game I could play. Like the, mm -hmm. the the idea of me creating something from nothing and existing in the world and people, you know, like you know, the other day uh, we released some early footage of stuff we were building um, because we've been very transparent with the people who are, mm -hmm. who are fans of the game and the fact that people were in the Discord, you know, constantly going like, "Oh my god, this looks incredible!" and "Wow!" like that gave me more satisfaction than oh, yeah. any game I've ever played. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's a thing where people might not see the instant gratification where they're like feeding back and getting instant results because of the culture we live in. But it's it's a hard work thing that pays off eventually. Um, and it's it's hard to translate that, I think, into students when they want to just like make a gun or make something cool and have mm. it see it pop up on the screen. Is that something you find as well with younger people that you've talked to within art and tech industry? What exactly? That the need an instant gratification or instant kind of dopamine feedback i wouldn't even say it's a problem with young 
it's a thing with younger people. I think it's mm. it's our generation. Like I'm a millennial, right? Um, Same. And I, I kind of feel like um, simply because of the over the actually non voluntary overconsumption of media that yeah. we've been subject to, we have. I think many of us have a huge attention problem, and I I have one too. I I block all social media. I block all online shopping. I block oh, all yeah, of yeah, that yeah. during the day. I don't have yep. it on my phone because. Yep. I know that like it's an attention grabbing machine and your attention is their currency, right? Yeah. Um so what I what I really feel is that our generation and anybody who comes after us mm. um you are used to this quick turnaround of I I do a tiny thing and I bling 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 everything yeah. everything goes great and I feel amazing. Uh, yeah. but yeah, it's hard work and mm. it's and just because it's on a PC just mm -hmm. because it's like using the internet <laughs> and you're doing something on a PC that kind of yeah. might feel like gaming sometimes. Um, yeah. It's actually really, really hard work and it's something where you have to concentrate and be yep. very diligent with. And mm -hmm. um, if you do not understand that, mm -hmm. and if you do not understand that while you're studying, you mm -hmm. are going to have a problem or you're going to learn it like the very, very hard way in a sense, mm -hmm. because you're not going to be able to find a job because people will notice yeah. your attitude like the attitude, how you go about it. And as I said before, like, I still find that wild. But when I was studying, I was treating it like a job because it is your job. And you should you should put in the time that somebody who has a job puts in usually. Obviously, you can be yeah. lenient. You, you're like a freelancer. Let's say you're a freelancer, right? But yeah. you still have to put in the time. Yes. And, and you are your own boss because there's nobody who's going to be like, do it yes. better, right? Yeah. It's all on you. And that's a huge yeah. pressure anyway. Mm -hmm. But I still remember that like, some of my some of my um the, the people i studied with and even some of the professors they're like mm -hmm. oh marina you're in you're in the you're in university every day you i always when I, when i come in i always see you sitting at your pc and i'm like yeah but where where should i be like this is yeah. this is how it's supposed to be and right. um yeah otherwise otherwise it's just because the industry and like the work we do is so mm -hmm. faceted and there is so incredibly much that you could do yeah. um if you don't put in the the effort or like the diligence mm -hmm. and i mm -hmm. don't say do overtime i just right. say be consistent and and make an effort um yeah. you're not going to be able to get a foot on the ground right right yeah yeah, I mean, like, even the thing I found recently where, like, I mean, I, I'm still in the mode where I feel like I need to be constantly working on my portfolio because it's something that's just been ingrained into me. But I do know the first maybe two weeks I was working on my new job, I did at the weekends take time off and play the game just for fun, went mm -hmm. out and went outside and spent <clears> some time. You know, like, it's a thing where you have to be disciplined to get into the job. But once you're in, and you mm. have your foot in the door, you're working... Yeah, you can come home at night because you've worked all day, right? You worked eight hours on a job. You can sit and just chill and watch oh, TV. Oh, definitely. It's a thing I think people think we really get in the industry is that you're constantly going to be working. You're constantly going to be stressed and panicking. You know, it's an industry it like any be other. like that. If it is exactly. like that, there's yeah. a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, because, I mean, if you're working eight hours on a job, you are learning during the job. Like, the things you'll do at your job are things that are challenging you. You're learning from them. You're you're expanding your knowledge. It's not like when you're studying where you have to study and you have to be disciplined because, you know, you don't want to do anything else and, and, and waver from that. But once you're in a job and you're working eight hours a day, you know, 40 hours a week, you are still expanding. So you're allowed to have time off. You're allowed to take the weekends off or sit and chill. Yeah. I mean, 
in my opinion, absolutely everyone, no matter in what situation they're in, is allowed to have mm -hmm. time off. And I think, of course, yeah. yeah, like it's just yeah. it's something. Unfortunately, I must say, when I was a student, I also, especially in my last project, I worked way too much, and I can tell you that I still feel the negative side effects of that. So I am very, very, very. I think it's very problematic when people also post these attitude promoting things like all oh, work until you're yes yeah. absolutely against that please do not bring this into the industry again yeah. if i see that in my team i'll be very very pissed <laughs> like, yeah. and, and it's not supported by like good people in the industry no longer support this because it grinds you down like good. It, it kills you and it makes no sense um mm -hmm. so what i would always say is also as a student i know it's hard i know you have a goal but try to be consistent and rather think in the long term because yes. you have to do this for many many years if you're successful right yeah yep. um so also for my younger self i would be like okay do you think it's really that important that you cannot finish like a week later or two weeks later is it that important right. it usually yeah. isn't right yeah um yeah but obviously, if you're enthusiastic and that all is fine, it's great. Like, do yeah. it as long as you're healthy, right? And you're yes. honest to yourself. Yep. Um, and then when it comes to your job, obviously, I would always I would always do a little calculation, right? Let's say mm -hmm. you're on your job and uh, before you've been hustling, hustling, right? Try to get the mm -hmm. job. So when you're learning tons and mm -hmm. tons on the job, I would mm -hmm. say don't do extra work or like, don't feel obligated to do, to learn more at home, right? Take yes. the time off, chill, you're learning tons on the job. Mm -hmm. If you feel that you are stagnating on the job to a degree mm -hmm. or you, it's not that interesting, whatever, you have some mm -hmm. downtime, mm -hmm. um, I would say really try to, like if, if your frame of mind allows it, really try to do more and use the time mm -hmm. that to, to get better at whatever you're interested in, right? Yeah. Um, and that is generally like, for example, yeah, starting a new job, it's a mm -hmm. lot, right? So don't overburden yeah. yourself. Once you've gotten mm -hmm. settled, once you everything is in place, maybe start doing yeah. something else again. Yeah. That's usually how I would yeah. approach it. Yeah, I've been the same. I mean, I, I, I do my days now. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of clocking in and doing my hours. Uh, but then <clears> outside of that, I'm chilling. I'm, I'm making dinner. I'm hanging out with my spouse because, you know, I never really got to do that before. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. But now, I'm, now it's been about a month. You know, I'm, I'm getting to a point where I'm like, cool. I can like, I'm, yesterday I done a Blender tutorial. I was like, cool. Let's dive into Blender again. Try and learn that. Um, and it, just something small, fun, a wee project. It was only mm -hmm. a couple of hours. And then again today, I'm like, worked again on a scene in Maya, like building something up again for our portfolio piece. So. I mean, like those things are coming back, but the great thing about where I'm now within the industry, because I'm now being paid, it takes that pressure off where I'm like, oh, yes. where's, where's my next paycheck coming from? How am I going to pay the bills? Now that that pressure's off, when I'm doing art, I don't feel as burdened or I don't feel as panicky because I can just do it for my own satisfaction. It's not for, yeah. you know, a portfolio piece that needs to be out by this time because I need to find a job. It's like, well, I've got a job. I've got an income. I can chill a bit. So, yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It does really. It does take the fear away from learning. You no longer learn to do something because you have to. Yeah. You now are free to choose, and you should really continue to to develop, right? Yeah. Um, but it's it's much less likely that you will have this element of fear. And I know right. most students, even though it's not healthy, most students who want to find a job, obviously they have this element of fear because you don't know what's happening. It's a huge transition. It's totally normal. Um, but it was also for me a great, great relief once that came off, really. Yeah. 
I mean, fear is the natural driver, right? We've been programmed our whole entire existence on this earth to be fearful of stuff because it keeps us safe, right? You know, if you, you're you usually te- technically fearful of something because you want to protect yourself from being disappointed or being upset or being burnt mm. out. So, you know, it's a totally natural feeling and it is shitty, but like once you overcome it and realize that it's just part of the process, then you will eventually come out on the other end a better person for it. And, you know, honest to God, it, it's from... I used to work in a job where I could do nothing most days and get paid to do it, you know, like, but mm. now I'm in an industry where I have to constantly prove my skills mm. to be validated, to get money. The last five years have definitely shaped me into a better person. And I'm totally different at 35 than I was at 30, right? Like, yeah. it, it's, it's a thing where I like the new version of me. I like the fact that, like, I'm very confident on my own. I'm very confident in my skills. I can learn better than I used to learn because I've been out of school for so long. I know how to research stuff, study, take breaks, you know. Like, that's a thing that it can take years for some people to get mm. to that point. It's not something that will happen overnight or within a month. It is a real long-term process. And like you said, you have to get comfortable in the fact that, you know, if you only get, you know, these hours this week and these hours next week, well, that's fine because you have potentially your entire life to learn the subject. So... You know, and the yeah. way things are rated, the way th- the, the speed people are learning, you know, you're only going to get better quicker because there's so much information out there that's uh, easily available. So, yeah, don't panic about times. And, and you know, I, I remember once I was watching a, a panel, it was somebody uh, at Comic-Con and they were talking to comic artists. And one of the guys said, you know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm 17 years old. I'm going to be graduating high school next year. Um what do you think I could do within the next year to guarantee me a job in comics? And the guy was like, are you dying? Or are you, are you dying of some deadly disease? Is there something going on? We're not, you know, like you're 17 years old, man. Like <laughs> yeah, you've chill. got plenty of time. Like if you aim to have a job in comics, by maybe 24 years old, then you've succeeded. Like, you know, like yeah. you don't, you don't have to jump out of school and straight into a job. It is, you yeah, know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I can tell you from, from my experience, um, I left school, I think, with 19 so i on schedule left mm-hmm. with 19 mm-hmm. um and i didn't feel ready for studying and i think that's right. perfectly perfectly all right to say so i did the apprenticeship where mm-hmm. i was able to stay in my hometown again yep. i wasn't very confident mm-hmm. uh, but i learned like photoshop learned some mm-hmm. in design and mm-hmm. had some time to fiddle around kind of get used to digital things um right. which is wild thinking back now like i was such a different person back then but that yes. also speaks to the fact that uh, development is something that can happen to anyone. <laughs> I want to say if you want it badly enough. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and and um, just thinking back that I started studying, I think, when I just turned 21, so two years later. Right. And I signed my first... So And I did freelance work during my studies mm-hmm. uh, by luck and chance mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. Lots of good fortune. I, I got some really nice um, freelance work for film mm-hmm. stuff, independent film stuff, which was great and helped me finance a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my very first contract at Splash Damage, I signed right before my 25th birthday. So I was right. still 24 and I started the job actually at 25. Right. Um, so I always had these feelings of being too old, actually. Right. So yeah. I all, even though now thinking back 24, 25, mm-hmm. that's not old, but I yeah. was like, oh my God, I'm so old. <laughs> oh no, I'm so old. Like other people, they're 21 and having a job. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah. 
you know, you don't know their experience. You don't know how they feel about it. You don't know whether it actually works for them. So for some people, like I've met people at Splash Damage who are a couple of years younger than me and so mature and so great at their job. I'm like, I wish I was this mature at your age. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man. But it's just not for everyone. You know, people are different and they develop differently. And I feel like yeah. giving yourself the space to grow into what you would love to be is something that ev like, it's, a, it's a luxury that everybody sh has. They just yeah. have to use it, I think. Yes. Like, don't stress yourself about it. Obviously, don't slack off, right? If you're slacking off, that's a problem. But if, you're, mm -hmm. if you know it in your heart that you're doing all you can, don't stress mm -hmm. yourself even more. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I felt old. I still feel old. I think I always feel old, but um, it's just, I think it's a me problem. I'm sitting my first job, like, fucking hell, like, yeah. I signed my contract when I turned 36, so I mean, yeah. like, yeah, that, that, that's, I mean, but then it's funny, though, because when I went to uh, IMAG in Paris a couple of years back, and I first met uh, Yama Yubrev, uh, I mean, Yama was in other industries and other jobs, and he really got any, you know, working for Star Wars when he was, like, I think just in his 40s, so... Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was I was an engineer till I was twenty nine, and then left my job to go back to uni. So, you know, yeah. age is not a thing. You don't have to worry about being older as long as you're good at your job. Yeah. Yeah. Get some Botox. Look young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think that's a good point to leave it. Uh, I think we can always come back and, and do more talks and get you on again. But uh, you have a life also, and somebody who's probably waiting for you to join them for the, for the evening's festivities. So uh, shout out, David. But. Uh, but yeah, so um, thank you for coming on. It was thank you for having me. A great honor to talk to you. I'm sure people have learned a lot. Um, if anybody has any questions for you and you want to leave them down in the comments, uh, if you're listening on Spotify or any other Google Podcast systems or iTunes, check out the, the YouTube interview. We have a video feed, um, and we'll also leave all links in the descriptions for any tutorials we've covered or any other talks that we want to highlight and uh yeah that's pretty much it if you've got to the end thank you for listening um we really appreciate it um again comments likes and subscribing also helps us out and uh make sure you share this podcast with everybody you know uh that wants to know about tech art and of course just working in gaming and we'll see you guys again thanks again to you for listening thanks to Ramina for coming on and uh peace out guys enjoy the rest of your days bye bye